Hi folks, Pastor Russ here. Thank you for tuning in to hear this week's message. It is our prayer and our hope that this message will be an encouragement to you. And so we just want to say blessings to you as you listen to this week's message. If you will, turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 9. I'm going to ask Holly Sehusen to come forward and read our scripture for us today. So as Holly makes her way forward, Holly, we'll get you a mic. Thank you. Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Genesis 11. Tout la terre parlait une même langue avec le même moi. Parti de l'Orient, ils trouvant une vallée en paix de Chénard, et ils habiteront. Ils se diront l'un en l'autre, allons, faisons des briques et cuisons les en feu. La brique le suivit du pied. Right, Holly, la... Holly, we'll go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and read the scripture. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. That's impressive, huh? What translation was that exactly? Can I share that, Holly? It was French. It was French. So that's impressive. She, like, uh, went to school for that kind of stuff. So that's impressive in my book. Are you guys ready to dig into Genesis 11? We? We, we? Okay. Here we go. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, and let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick uh, for stone, and they also had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they have all one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name called Babel, because the Lord confused their language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Today there are over... 6,900 different languages that are spoken in this world. And yet, the number of languages that we see emerging from Genesis chapter 10, which if I take a moment and explain to you this, it, if, if you go back and read this, it might seem confusing because we are chronological readers. We read things very linear. And one thing about Hebrew writing, and I mentioned this when we started this series, that 
if you read Genesis 1 and then you read Genesis 2, it almost looked like there's two aspects of creation. But in the midst of that, I said, notice that chapter 2, we're zooming in on day 6. So we tell you what it's going to be, and then we go back and recap. Same thing with Genesis chapter 10 and then this particular story of the Tower of Babel. Genesis 10 lays out for us something that's called the Table of Nations. And you begin to see this picture of all these different uh, tribes, if you will, and different tongues. And then there's one point where it says that there was a division within, within this particular group. And that division is explained in Genesis chapter 11. God caused this division to happen. He created confusion. Okay? Even today in our own country, there's different dialects and ways that people talk. So even in the English language, there's times where maybe we, we, we think something else is called something else in another area. Do you guys ever run into that? Do you drink soda or do you drink pop? You know, those kinds of things. I remember living in Minnesota, moving up there from Iowa, and I worked for this ministry that brought people, musicians, in from all over the country, even from Canada, to this one location, and we would train them on site through the summer, and then we would send them out to different countries to do ministry. And there was a moment where I was sitting at a table with people from several different places in the U.S., and I'm talking and kind of sharing a little bit about who I am, and there was a lady there at the table, and she goes, I just want to tell you, you have the coolest southern accent. <laughs> this young girl was from Bemidji, Minnesota. And apparently that distance right there created enough of a uh, change. It's funny, she now lives down in Florida, so I'm sure she's heard much thicker southern accents. I remember talking to a coworker, and I said, you know what, it'd be fun sometime Maybe we get together and we have, we have a barbecue. And she looked at me very confused. Do you, do you like that? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, don't you like to barbecue? What do you mean to barbecue? Didn't understand that. Apparently, a barbecue is a loose meat sandwich. That's what they called that. So it was very confusing to her when she would say, you know, we should get together and have loose meat sandwiches. Just seems like, wow, that's random, but sounds good, you know. We're in our area that has a much more general tone to that. And I also remember my first time at a grocery store in Minnesota. And my groceries were being rung up and put off to the side. And then the clerk asked me, would you like a bag? And I go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, come again, and, you know, paper or plastic, a big. And I'm going, oh, a bag, of course, I'll take that. Yeah, we're, we're following. And then I'm riding in the car with one of my friends who's from Minnesota, and we're talking about getting breakfast for the staff in the coming days, and he says, maybe I can swing through and I can grab some bagels. And I, I said, wait a second. You guys say big, but now you say bagels. I, I go, you guys are a confusing bunch. Well, Brady ended up student teaching at Community Christian School there in Wilmer, Minnesota, and um, they had a session in, was it second grade? That's what you were helping teach. 
and they were, they were learning their sounds. And they had written it up on the board, and the teacher said, you know, like, B-A-G, beg. And one of the students goes, wouldn't that be bag? And the teacher said, no, it's big. And that's where we're like, that's how this all gets started, right here. We learn these things. See, language is something we learn. Language is something that you and I, we, we, we just come out and we say goofy, babbling things. They don't make any sense. But as we progress in our language, we start to learn the language of our area. And so one of the things I'd ask in this particular story is, why would God come into this scenario and confuse and cause division? Why would he do that? Because he didn't want them building a big tower? You know, like, what's the reason for this? And I want to break that down with you. The first reason that God did this is because these people had an issue with pride. They had an issue with pride. You'll notice in verse 4, the Bible says this. They said this themselves. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Now, if you remember the first couple weeks of this series, I drew out the fact that pride is a serious thing. It's very offensive to God. Pride is the reason why Satan fell from heaven. And I know I told you guys that I believe that the root of all sin that you and I partake in is due to pride. And you see this in this particular story. Genesis 10 verse 9 tells us that a man named Nimrod was the one who decided to draw everyone together to create a powerful society. Lance, isn't that just a funny word? Nimrod. While preparing this message, I thought about giving it the title, Don't Be a Nimrod. (laughs) I just think that's good. (laughs) Lance, behave now. What's interesting, you notice in verse 5, the Bible says that the Lord came down to see what was going on. Even with the height of this tower, the Lord has to come down in order to see it. We have a human tendency that we try to shrink God down and we try to puff ourselves up, but that doesn't work. You and I, we're so small. We are so, so small in comparison to God Almighty. Who do we think we are when we allow pride to creep in? Pride is that inner voice that whispers, my way is best. Anybody guilty of that? We're going to do it my way. Okay, I know how to do it. I know how to get it done. Pride keeps us from accomplishing things in God's kingdom because what it does is, is it makes us focus on our own kingdom. And that's a problem if you're a follower of Christ. Pride hinders you from advancing the gospel. We live in a world full of human independence and self-sufficiency apart from God. 
We have great confidence in our own ability, and we have lofty dreams that aren't advancing the gospel. At any moment, God can grab our attention. At any moment, God can grab our attention, just like he grabbed the attention of the people at Babel. I had Holly read the scriptures because I wanted us to get a little bit of a taste of what's going on here. Imagine building this and all of a sudden the guy you're working next to starts going off in some other language. That'd be (laughs) what's going on here. I think I've worked too hard. I'm lightheaded. Oh my goodness. Everybody else is in confusion. When God grabs our attention, we realize that our plans need to start lining up with his plans. And that was the point. That's the point God was trying to make with their pride issue. It's time you line up with the plans that I have for you. And I want you to know something. God will actually oppose you until you humble yourself. He will oppose you. The scripture says that in three different places. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God will oppose you if you're trying to do things your own way. Because that's not how God operates. Pride is not how God operates. The second reason for this confusion and this division is obviously there was a pride issue, but what comes next is there was disobedience. There was an issue of disobedience. I want us to look again at verse 4. Okay, I read earlier where they said, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose, whose top is in the heavens And let us make a name for ourselves. We know that was issue one. They had a pride issue. The next issue here is the rest of that verse. They said, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. If you back up in Scripture, you'll see in chapter 9, Paul last week preached about Noah and the the flood. And the moment that that ark hit dry ground and they were able to, at that point, go back to business on earth, God gave them this command, both in verses 1 and verse 7. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That was a command. And that's a repeat of his plan from the beginning. In Genesis 1, 28, God says the same thing. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. These people, whether they operated out of comfort or security or fear... It led them to staying put. They were not accomplishing what God had commanded them to do. And that, folks, is direct disobedience. You'll notice in verse 3, they say, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And we can fly right through that. Hey, make some bricks. That's great. Further study in this is to note that they used bricks which are man-made rather than stones which are God-made. Most of the buildings at this time were made from rock, but the area that they settled in did not have enough rocks for this tower. Thus, man-made bricks. They went through a lot of extra work to carry out their disobedience. And you and I, we can do the same thing. Make more work for ourselves. Our bad decisions, folks, will eventually lead us to a breaking point. 
we wonder why we can't ever get ahead. Maybe there's a disobedience issue. And God's blessing is not residing over your circumstances. And while we're parked here, secret disobedience is even more exhausting. Hiding sin gets harder and harder to cover up. And the guilt and the weight of that gets heavier and heavier. And we begin to lose touch with God's blessing over our lives. Disobedience creates a disconnect from God's blessing. I'm going to just say that one more time so we get it 100%. Okay? You can see this throughout Scripture. Disobedience creates a disconnect from God's blessing. And if you feel like you're working against the grain and you can never get ahead, or you wonder why the weight and the guilt of maybe something in your life that you've got covered up, why it just continues to intensify. Maybe it's time to confess that to the Lord. It's time to get that right. If you do that, I'm telling you, God is willing. He's willing to forgive. And maybe the enemy is pointing his big bony finger in your face and saying, no, God won't. God won't forgive you of this. But God will forgive you. You have to come to him, though, and confess that. Quit trying to hide it. And humbly say, God, I'm sorry. And you'll reconnect back into the blessings that God has for you. But until that happens, if you choose to to live in disobedience, you'll be totally disconnected from the favor of God. Pastor Paul mentioned last week in chapter 8, verse 21, the Bible gives us this uh, verse that tells us basically that the human heart is bent or it inclines itself toward evil, even from a young age. Our hearts are bent towards disobedience. We lean that direction. Do you guys agree with that? Or do you just wake up and you're like, obedience is like a cakewalk, you know? Like, I have no problems reading my Bible all day long, praying all day long. There's an opportunity to share with somebody, boom, I'm there, I never miss an opportunity, right? Here's the thing, I don't understand why in the New Testament church, God gave a command to these people, the Tower of Babel, fill the earth, and they disobeyed that. I'm just thinking back through this, and I'm going, did, did God ever give a command to the church? And if you notice, before he lifted foot off of this planet, Jesus said, go and make disciples. That is the command for all of us in this room to go and make disciples. If you neglect that, you're not living in obedience. That is a command for all of us. We can totally ignore that. Move on. I'm just thinking, when's the last time some of us have led somebody to Jesus? Think that through for a second because that is the mission over your life, to lead people to Christ, help them grow. 
and we fill our lives with all kinds of stuff that don't matter in the end. We're just as guilty as the people that tried to build this tower. Our tower just looks a little different, I suppose. So a good question for us is what towers have we built in our own lives that need to be torn down today? What towers have we built that really don't advance the kingdom of God? Holy Spirit, help us to leave those towers. If we want to experience God's blessing, here's the thing. Since we're bent towards disobedience, since we're bent towards pride, you and I, we have to start learning a new language. The language that you and I are used to are pride and rebellion. But there's a different language that comes with being a follower of Christ. Are you ready for this? Just total opposite of the way we're bent. Humility and obedience. That's the language for a follower of Christ. James says in chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You don't have to puff yourself up. Just humble yourself, submit to God, and he will guide your life, and he'll take care of the concerns, the, the cares that we all carry each and every day. A couple of weeks ago, I jumped from the creation story into Acts 17, and I want us to go there again. Okay, We looked at Acts 24 and, and 25 about how God's created everything. If you continue in this, Verses 26 and 27, I think, fit so well with our message today. Acts 17, verses 26 through 27, these two verses will be on the screen. 26 says, from one man, God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. And he decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall, and he determined their boundaries. Verse 27, his purpose, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God's purpose for the people at the Tower of Babel, relationship, pride and disobedience caused them to go in another direction. God's purpose for us today is relationship. And the Bible says that, that he's not far from us. He pursues us. God goes great lengths to have a deep relationship with us. I told you earlier, God will oppose us so that maybe we'll come to our senses and realize we need God in our life. He'll thwart our plans or he'll create circumstances that eliminate our pride. Gulp, those can be hard things to learn. And his greatest act was sending his son Jesus Christ to this planet as a humble little baby born in a stable. And you think, this servant, this humble servant, gave his life so that you and I could have relationship with God Almighty. And the Bible says that now that he is 
risen from the dead, he's sitting in his rightful place. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And I just think, as we kind of bring things to a close here this morning, I want us to recognize some passages that are in Revelation. In Revelation 7, verses 9 through 10, John starts to unfold this this, uh, vision that God is giving him. And he says, I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. If you back up in Revelation, you'll see 24 elders singing in chapter 5, verses 9 through 10. They sing, Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priest, to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Christ has redeemed because of the cross, because of what he went through. It doesn't matter where people come from, doesn't matter where you've been, what language you speak, God has purchased the sin that we're stuck in. And he's saying, I paid for that so that you can be set free. Now, if you remember Brian Young speaking, it's helpful to know the beginning so you can understand the end. And so when you read the beginning, try to see the end, if you recall that. And I just, as as I was walking through this, I tried to do that myself. Okay, where, where are some connections here from the beginning and what I see at the end? And one interesting thing is you see the table of nations in Genesis chapter 10, and 11, you see God scattering these people. If you fast forward to Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, it talks about God coming and collecting those who believe in him. Instead of scattering, now now he's gathering. And that's called the gathering of the nations because Jesus is gonna step foot back down on this earth and he's going to set up his kingdom and only those who have called on the name of Christ right now or in their lifetime will be able to experience that kingdom where no matter what language you're there worshiping the king of kings another thing to note is that the Bible talks about this huge city called the new Jerusalem You think these people with their bricks could make a really tall tower. New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles high. You just think about that for a second. This one city, this one language, worshiping Jesus Christ. Powerful. God had a plan. These people, they're already in rebellion, and they have one voice, And they're just going to continue down this spiral. So you know what? Because I love them and I know what's best for them and because I want a relationship with them, 
I'm going to mix things up a little bit. But one day I'm going to bring it all back together. God had this figured out. God had, had things thought about before he sort of arranged things the way that they went down. It's powerful. And I just want us to take a moment to recognize what are some things God might be doing in your life that he's orchestrating right now to get your attention, to walk in deeper fellowship with you, maybe to get you to realize that I need to be obedient to the great commission of helping people come to know Jesus. That's my job. And I'm not saying that as a pastor. I'm saying Russell Weller's job is to help people know Jesus. Paul Abens' job is to help people know Jesus. Donna Lee, your job, help people know Jesus. It's not a Pastor Russ thing. It's for all of us in this room. And if we're not about that business, we're in the wrong business. You can grow your own kingdom till it's massive, till it's high in the sky. But if Christ isn't a part of that picture and you're living in disobedience to the Great Commission, you're fooling yourself. Let's get serious about what God wants. Donna Lee, would you return, please? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we close in prayer. Father, as we come before you in prayer together, Lord, we recognize you're pursuing us. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what language, if you will, that we speak, you're in pursuit of people. Father, help us to leave pride. Help us to, to walk in obedience and humility. Pride is something that we hold on to so tightly. Help us to let go today and realize that your plans, that your ways are so much better and that the things that we try to build in our lives that, that don't include you, they lack substance. And so, Father, this morning we, we come before you in this sacred moment to just ask your spirit to come and help bring focus into areas that we need to to confess and make right. And we lift this to you. Come and minister to our lives. And Father, perhaps there's someone here listening that maybe you've been living in disobedience and you haven't surrendered your life and, and said, Jesus, take my life and use it for the kingdom. You're still living in your own terms, on your own agenda. But today, you, you have this sense in your heart 
I need, to, I need to give this to the Lord. If you're sensing that in your life, I just simply ask that you'd pray with me right in your heart. Just say, Jesus, today I surrender. Please forgive me of my sin. I recognize that I need you in my life. So come and live in me and be my Lord and Savior. And help me to walk in obedience to you. It's not about my ways anymore. It's about your ways. And so today I give you my life. And I thank you for this gift called salvation. With every head bowed and eye closed, if there's somebody that prayed that prayer with me right now to receive Christ, you just simply just let me know by lifting your hand. Today that was me. Anyone at all, thank you. Father, I thank you for new life by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I just ask, Lord, that you would help us as followers of Christ to walk with humility and obedience to you. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for watching this week's message. It is our heart to follow up with people if they've responded to something that God did in that message. One thing we want to note is if you just gave your life to Christ and you prayed that prayer at the end to receive Him into your life, we want to send you this free resource called Now What? And this is a journal that comes with the Bible, and it's designed to help you grow and take the next steps in your faith journey. If you're interested in receiving this free resource, we encourage you to simply reach out and connect with us here at the bottom of the screen. You'll see you can email us or you can send us a text message. Simply text BELIEVE to the number that you see here on the screen. We want to get this into your hands so that you can grow in your faith. And it's our heart here at Faith Community Church to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. Thanks for watching.